The Long Haul Podcast, America's Irish Voice. Interviews with inspiring immigrants, renowned Irish personalities, and discussions on all things Irish America. Presented by Michael Dorgan. On this week's podcast, I speak to Rory O'Donnell, who is the secretary of the Northeastern GA Board, which covers the Boston metropolitan area and states throughout the Northeast New England area. We take a look at how the championships are run in the Northeastern Division and compare them to the structure in New York. For instance, Boston have a finals weekend in the middle of August, with the winners of each championship going on to represent the division in the USGAA Games the following week in Denver. The USGA covers all GA boards in America outside of New York. I also asked Rory if there's a possibility of the New York senior footballers taking on Boston each year before the Exiles go on to play in the Connacht Senior Football Championship or if the club winners of the Northeastern Division could play the county champions from New York at the end of the season. Rory has run the Har and Trostnan blog for many years and it's the go-to source for all Northeastern Championship match reports. There's a link to the blog below. Before we start, I'd like to congratulate the New York Junior footballers who won the All-Ireland in Crow Park on Sunday for the first time. The win caps a fruitful few weeks for the Empire State in Ireland with the New York girls' Fela team winning back-to-back Division 1 titles and the New York under-17s winning the Mary McPartland Cup. New York continues to flourish. Also, the Tipperary Club are the county's new senior hurling champions after dethroning Waterford in last Sunday's final. They saw off a late Dacia rally to secure the win. Rory, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, James. Nice My- Michael, the father was James. Is James. Very <laughs> I might mention that straight away, actually. Sure, you brought, you, you brought my father out in a J1 a couple of years ago to referee in Boston uh, when he was about 50. <laughs> so he had a great summer there. Yeah. Is it something you still do, bringing referees out? Uh, yeah, yeah. We, um, you know, usually later in the summer when the, the championship gets hot and heavy and, uh, you know, teams are, you know, have brought over. Some of the inter-county players, you, you want to have, uh, you know, an experienced season ref who can handle games like that, you know, as best yeah. you can. So, yeah, yeah, James came over and uh, I think he had a great time here. Yeah, sorry, Michael. And just, uh, but, uh, yeah, yeah, it was great, you know. He, uh, he looked after me too for Man United tickets there. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah funny, you know, but... Um, yeah, so yeah, we do every year. Usually, we'll bring over a, a hurling and a football ref, uh, okay. the senior matches, you know, and some other games too, you okay. know. But we do try, you know, or try to develop our own referees. And USGAA has some good referees that sometimes, you know, we might have to fly them in from other cities to okay. some of the games here. Um, but you know yourself when you're in a, a small, I mean, Boston's mm. fairly small compared to New York. I know you mm. say New York, you're kind of enclosed there, but Boston is almost like a smaller version of that. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, you kind of want referees that maybe people aren't as familiar with. You yeah, know, yeah. You won't question them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, just first of all, Rory, will you just give me a background on yourself, where you're from in Ireland and what you do in Boston, how long you've been out out there? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I grew up mainly in Dublin, you know, when I was a younger child. We lived around in a few places, but moved to Dublin when I was about 11. Then when I left college, came to Boston, you know, through relatives. And, uh, you know, I always wanted to play football out here as well, but Scully Connell, GAA club in Dublin, and uh, got involved with St. Column Kills Football Club in Boston, and Column Kills folded in 2006. And, uh, you know, then Connemara Gales for a couple of years till I broke my collarbone and with three kids, that was kind of the end of it. (laughs) (laughs) That was the end of my playing days. But, um, yeah, then, you know, got involved with the the Northeast, which is what we call this division here, and which is pretty much covers the New England states, you know, Boston, where most of the teams are. But got involved there as PRO because I had been writing match reports for the Irish emigrant at the time. And then I started the blog here on Trasnon. And then someone said, well, why don't you, you know, we need a PRO. You were kind of doing that type of thing anyway. Yeah. So I've been the PRO for many years. And this year I kind of 
a little bit of a change. Uh, first time taking the secretary's job. You know, the the outgoing, the guy who had done it for five years was stepping down and um, we needed a secretary. So I said, I do that. And we've actually got someone else doing the PRO. And believe it or not, the match reports this year. So they're still going up on Harold Trasson. I'm just not writing them anymore. Okay. Uh, then I did spend a couple of years as the USGAA PRO. Um, the USGAA would be the, the actual county board. And uh, that covers every everywhere except New York, basically. <laughs> Whatever New York doesn't cover, the USGAA yeah, yeah. covers. And, you know, from an admin point of view, their their country's split into divisions. So there are 10 divisions, you know. Okay. If you go back long enough or far enough where really most of the GAA took place in, you know, you've kind of, they call them the four big divisions still, like Boston, which now is called the Northeast, um, Chicago, Philadelphia, and San Francisco. You know, they would have been the cities with the Irish population and the yeah. And that was kind of really the U North. It was called the North American Board at one time. That was really where most of the games were. Even though you did have, you know, clubs in other parts of the country, but you know, now what's happening is you've got clubs springing up everywhere. You know, you got San Diego and Seattle. Well, Seattle's always had a club, but they're yeah. they're growing. You know, um, Milwaukee, Wisconsin has a big hurling club. St. Louis, Missouri. Um, so yeah, all around the USGAA, you've got all these Americans, really, who are mainly interested in hurling, believe it or not. It's more hurling. Oh, really? football. Yeah, because yeah. it's a different sport. And even the same here in the Northeast. You know, we have a hurling, there's a hurling club in Providence, Rhode Island, uh, Worcester, Massachusetts, which is about a half an hour west mm. of Boston. Hartford, all, well, Hartford have always had a club, but they have a hurling club, uh, Portland, Maine, and then there's one in Concord, New Hampshire. And there, you know, they be junior B and junior C, but there's, you know, it's, mm. they're run by, they might have a few Irish guys in there, but it's yeah. Americans and they're, they're you know, mad into it. Like, so great to see that, you know. And so it with Boston, so it's not the Boston, it's not Boston GA, it's the Northeast board, is it, that runs everything and there'd be, as you said, like clubs from Boston and within the surrounding areas who compete in the championship then every year. Is that basically the, the way it operates? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Now, most of the clubs um, are still in, you know, Boston and the kind of Boston area. Mm. Um, but yeah, so the Northeast GAA Divisional Board is what we're called. You know, we organize the, the championships and the competitions and, you know, football, we've got senior to junior C hurling, <clears throat> there's senior to junior C. <laughs> No intermediate, but they're senior to junior C. And then, All right. Yeah. Uh, ladies football was kind of a little bit on the wane for a while. You know, we only, we there was a mm. time there was five clubs, but and it was down to two. But now there's been a couple of new clubs started up at junior. And um, and then a camogie club. For, there, was, there were two camogie clubs. And they used to be in a, a, a like the camogie organized their competitions with couple of clubs in New York but they had kind they went for a while there was no camogie club and then two years ago a new one started the New England Fenians they're called mm. so there's camogie again and again you know they still you know they're playing clubs in New York and the New York clubs also actually in camogie mm. play in the USGAA finals Liberty Gales and Annie Moores I believe are the the two clubs here yeah yeah exactly so, yeah, you'll see them at the USGAA finals, you know. But uh, the other New York clubs obviously don't. It's all, it's all you know, run yeah. on different calendar and all yeah. that. Yeah. And so with the with the Northeast Championships, uh, Rory, it's a kind of a, it's a condensed season, is it? How long does it run for? And is it games every weekend? And are the games on weekends? Yeah, it's, um, it is a short season. Um, yeah, we usually begin in June. First weekend in June. Now you there's a, a, a kind of a preseason in May to be mm. kind of cup competitions really to get teams going and get players out playing, you know. Yeah. But the actual championships usually start first weekend in June and they go until the second weekend in August. And then the third weekend in August you got the USGAA finals. 
So usually, you know, Saturdays and Sundays, we play the games at the Irish Cultural Centre, which is in Canton, Massachusetts. Canton is probably 20 miles south of Boston. And uh, yeah, usually on a Sunday, you'll have five or six games out there. Saturday, maybe three or four. And then a few midweek games. Okay. Um, yeah. And then there are also sometimes you'll have games uh, around the other states as well, you know, because the clubs in Hartford and Portland may mm. not be traveling to Canton all the time. So, you know, they they usually, uh, the schedule is usually organized so that they'll get a couple of games at their own place. You know, they get their own field and set up their posts and the team yeah. travel to play them and we send a referee and all that type of thing. So, you know, it uh, then sometimes they will travel to Canton. I was just going to say, it's kind of like, you know, a lot of sort of intense activity for a short period. Yeah. Get it all in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so do the winners of the Northeast win a final and then like the following week or the week after they go into the USGA finals? Is that how is that how it works? Yeah. Yeah. So whoever wins their competition, you know, say senior football right now, there are four teams in the senior football championship. So whoever turns out winners will go to this year. It's in Denver. Okay. And uh, represent the Northeast Division in the Senior Football Championship. Now, I said there were 10 divisions, but you don't have 10 senior football teams. Okay. So it's really the senior football and hurling still come from the, uh, you know, the Onicod, the, big, the bigger cities in the CAA. Yeah. Um, you know, most of the other, I mean, there's, you'd be surprised how good some of the teams are from like, you know, Austin, Texas and places like that. I mean, okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, some of the pl- these places have attracted, like, you know, through whatever it is, um, you know, Madison, Wisconsin, you've got the Kerry Group and Glanbia have um, set ups there. So, you know, you've got clubs there with a lot of Irish guys and some very good teams, you know, but they wouldn't usually be in senior. Um, but, yeah, so we'll usually send one, two, three, we send them six football teams four hurling teams um two ladies and one camogies that's we'd be sending 13 teams from this wow. to the usga final. like we'd be the biggest division in the usga yeah. um yeah but like i said a lot of the other divisions there's new clubs starting up and and denver denver last time denver had it was 20 2004 and, uh, you know, Denver has the club, the Denver Gales. I'm not sure if there's another club out there, but I went out there in 2004. And, um, I mean, it was the some of these, the smaller divisions, when they host the finals, you get, like, the fields are immaculate. Right. Five full-size playing fields, perfect playing surfaces. The scenery around it was just gorgeous, you know? Yeah. And um, you must get ho- hundreds of people there, no doubt, between players and supporters. There must be some great, and it's played in one weekend, isn't it? Yeah, it's played in one weekend. So they usually start the games Friday, it's Friday, Saturday, mm. Sunday, and you're you basically have five fields going for seven games each for at right. least the first two days, and then the, the last day will be final. So Maybe half as many, but you have yeah. a hundred and something teams coming from all over the place. Wow. So, you know, you think a hundred teams bringing this couple of thousand people, you know. Wow. Uh, what, what weekend is it on this year? It's the third weekend in August. Okay. Yeah, it used to be Labor Day weekend. That was kind of the uh, traditional mm. North American finals weekend, but they moved it forward about three years ago. I think somebody made a, you know, motion at it. Yeah convention because um i'm not sure why i think maybe to do with uh having your labor day weekend to yourself yeah yeah <laughs> and having to go to the finals you know but yeah that's a huge weekend and um you're playing teams from all over the country so it's a great chance too, like you know to meet people that you wouldn't have mm. seen since the last ones you know like there's an awful lot of great uh an awful lot of great gaa people out there around the country you know so would you you'd have your own weekend in in the Northeast Championship and then another separate weekend for the USGA, is it? Yeah, yeah. Like okay. our finals is usually we we'll have it the weekend before. You know, it doesn't yeah. seem like it, it's a quick turnaround yeah. to Denver. But um, you know, usually things are lined up where we just you know right, okay, on the flights and the hotels. You know, all right, okay. 
you know, you just decide who's going. And, and the Northeast Board does uh, subsidise the clubs that make mm. it. Um, but, you know, the clubs do still need to, uh, you know, come up with some of the funding for that mm. themselves or the players might chip in. So, yeah, uh, it's a big weekend here for our finals. And, um, yeah, the following weekend, then everybody goes. Usually what happens is the teams that win it here probably spend Monday to Thursday celebrating. And then they get on the plane <laughs> Thursday or Friday. And a lot of them are in no shape <laughs> playing in the tournament. But, you know, Dust yourself and, down, yeah. Yeah, unless yeah. there's some clubs will start to take it maybe a bit more seriously when they go yeah. to the USGA finals, you know, because they do want to win it. Yeah. But um, our championship here is, is so kind of, um, I don't know, like I said, intense that by the time a team wins the Boston championship, you're kind of, you yeah, yeah. you've won the one you've been playing for all summer. If you win the USGAA, it's, I mean, that is the county championship. That's mm. like, you know, yeah. theoretically the big one. But I think, you know, quite often some of the people will be person a hangover. By the time <laughs> I would, uh, in terms of like, say, senior football, I would, uh, the winners of the Northeast Championship, are they, would, do they generally go on to win the USGA? Are they generally the strongest? Or? No, no, you'd be, yeah. I mean, a lot of people think Boston, you know, it's the biggest yeah. division of, you know, the Irish city and you'd have like, uh, you know, really strong teams. But um, no, it's Chicago, Chicago was on the wane for a while, but, uh, you know, they've come back fairly strong. Philadelphia will come up with a strong team as well now and then. Right. And San Francisco, you know, so I would, you know, and the other thing is, you know, just the way the way it works is you might have a lot of clubs that'll you know, have all their sanctioned players over, right? Mm. July the 1st is the deadline for your sanctioned players and you're allowed five. You know, it's 13 aside actually, that's another thing people might be interested to know is um, the rules under the USGA rules are 13 aside, not 15 aside uh, for all sports. And um, the way it works is you have to have two, what they call homegrown players on the pitch. Yeah. Basically players who are American born and haven't played, I think, past under 16 level in Ireland or something like that. I'm not sure exactly what the rule is, but Basically, the idea is that they've developed, been developed here in Boston or in mm. North America. Or, you know, maybe some of them might have taken the game up in their 20s, but, you know, that they're American born yeah. players. Uh, you're allowed then five sanctioned players, which are like your summer players. Yeah. Um, and that's really where a lot of the, you know, clubs for their senior teams will save places for. Know, the calendar at home now mm. has changed. The July the 1st is the deadline, and um, you'll have a lot of counties out by then. So what we saw last year with the new format, you know, at home, was that an awful lot of county players came out to, to all, you know, Boston, Chicago, everywhere. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of like, you know, on the one hand, people argue against that. You know, they'd say, well, it's not developing the game. But on the other hand, you can say, well, if the, the homegrown players are playing with guys of that level, it's going to develop their game too. You know, if they're training. Yeah, I, yeah. Training and then the rest of your players, which basically would be the other six, have to be what they call resident players. So they're kind of, they can be homegrown, but they have to at least um, be living here and have okay. transferred clubs, you know. Yeah. So, that's a March. That's a deadline for the end of March. So your homegrown players have to be registered and transferred. If they're coming from Ireland, if someone comes over from Ireland to live here, they have to transfer to your club by the end of March. So um, that's for senior football. You know, senior hurling is a little different. I think they might be allowed just from a numbers point of view, a few more um, mm. sanctions. But they still have to have, I think, two homegrown players on the senior hurling pitch as well. And at all levels, it's at least two. Um, so uh, until you get to junior C, where it has to be 10. So your junior C team has to have at least 10 American-born okay. players. Junior D, I think it's all of them have to be, if you 
North America, there's a junior D competition. We don't have a junior D team in this division. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, um, but then what happens is for senior, at least, we'll have our finals, you know, second weekend in August. And then a lot of the um, sanctioned guys might be going back home to play with their clubs or mm-hmm. back to, you know, who knows. So quite often, you know, if a team is really club really is going for it, they'll they'll do their best to keep all their players for the USGAA finals. Yeah. But quite often what you'll see is a lot of the sanctioned guys might be gone, you know, yeah. by the time you get to the USGA finals. Um so yeah, the team that travels mightn't be as strong as the team that played in gotcha. the here the week before, basically. Mm. Uh, that's not an excuse that anyone else is listening it's just, it's just what yeah, happened yeah. you know but um, you know it's nice to see a Boston team we always you know when we go and we're traveling from Boston you want to see the Boston teams do well exactly you, know? yeah. you still do you know so yeah it's uh, and it's yeah it's just a, like I said great opportunity to play teams from other parts of the country and you know meet meet GAA exactly. people from other parts of the country so um yeah, and our finals weekend is usually a pretty big weekend, you know. Usually, usually, I mean, the football final is usually pretty good. Um, Hurland's been kind of hurting a little bit. There was a, we had four senior Hurland teams up until about three or four years ago, and it's kind of been the same everywhere. Yeah. Uh, now we're down to two, Galway and Father Tom Burks, and both of those clubs, kind of Galway, obviously have a Galway big Galway connections, but so do Father Tom's. And um, so because of that, you kind of have fairly strong rivalry between the two of them. And now that they're the only two senior yeah. clubs, you know what I mean? Like, it's <laughs> hard to like, okay, here we go. Like we had uh, Tipperary and Cork and Wexford, actually. Mm. I think at one point we're all senior hurling. And um, for junior A, it's Galway and Tom's put their junior teams out and Offaly are the junior A club as well. And in terms of football, then you'd have, uh, I suppose, uh, Kerry Boston and Kerry Donegal would be some of the big names there, wouldn't it? The big clubs here, um, the four senior clubs, um, Donegal are, you know, pretty much have risen over the years to become one of the biggest, probably the biggest club in town, you know. Mm. <clears throat> and uh, then you got the Connemara Gales, you know, they're very big membership. Usually they put out, Donegal and the Gales will put out three teams. You know, Donegal have a senior football, junior A and uh, junior B. And the, the Gales are senior football intermediate and they have a junior B team. And then Aidan McInespies would be another senior club. Uh, they would have two teams, you know, junior Junior A and senior. And um, then Galway are the other senior club, uh, maybe not quite as drawing on quite as large a kind of support base as the other three. But um, Galway have, you know, had a senior team for mm. years and a junior B football team. Mm. So they'd be your kind of four senior teams. And and Kerry, like the likes of Kerry now, that's a club that um, was on the brink of, I'd say, folding six years ago, six or seven years ago. But uh, they had a bunch of bunch of people there got together, kept it going, and now they've built it back up where they're mm. one of the better intermediate teams. And they also have a junior B team. So now they've okay. put two teams out, um, Cork, would be another similar to Kerry. You know, they Cork used to be a very strong club here back in the nineties and maybe two thousands. And you know, again, you know, it's just people go home, you know yourself, people go home, people get older. Yeah. <laughs> Start the players, you lose players and you're not replacing them. But yeah, Cork were um very strong club. They kind of went on the wane, but now they're on the way back. They also are actually this year looking they've gone this year went up to intermediate from mm. junior A. And they look like they have a good shot at winning that intermediate championship, you know. Um, and they also have a junior B football team. Um, and then the third, another club there is the Shannon Blues. They were a club with a very strong senior team. Kind of went on the way in a bit. But now, yeah. they're again, they're putting two teams out. They're intermediate. Mm. First team's intermediate and junior B. 
And Christopher's would be another intermediate team. That's their only team. Oh yeah, a lot of a lot of lads from my club and Nemo would have played with Christopher's down through the years. I remember them going over. All right. Yeah, Christopher's were kind of like. Uh, I remember a fella from Cork. He was involved with the Cork club at the time, and he said to me, "Jesus Christ!" He said, "If there was no Christopher's, we'd be fucking great." <laughs> <laughs> because Christopher's did kind of compete with Cork for a yeah. lot of. The- the players coming over from Cork, and they still do. You know, they um, uh, they've they've Christopher's have had some great players. You know, they uh, one of their players there now. He's he's long retired, but he had a good run with Cork. A fella called Marco Sullivan. I don't know if you, you ever heard of him or remember. He played the All Ireland final in ninety nine. Yeah, yeah, it's... yeah. Um, and uh, I remember their half forward line one year. I think we're all three. Might have been three Nemo Rangers players. I think there was Stephen Toomey was out there. Yeah. Billy's, uh was Nation out there. David Carney. I, I can't remember. It was a good couple of years ago. But anyway. <laughs> Christmas have had some smashing footballers, you know. They had a couple of Tipperary guys there yeah. a few years ago. They actually won the Senior Football Championship uh, with seven American-born players. That was, I think, back in 2009. Yeah, and like a lot of the guys that are keeping the club running there are, you know, they're they're first generation American guys. Mm. And uh yeah, so you know, they're doing a great job keeping that club going. One last club I'll mention is the Wolf Tones. They're intermediate. Again, that's their only team is intermediate and you know, they're another club that, you know, they've had very strong teams and for all the reasons we talked about, you know, things have been on the wane, but they're yeah. still Still putting an intermediate yeah. team. Yeah. Of course, you had ebbs and flows here in New York as well. You'd have teams would would fold. One a couple of years they'd be at at the top, and then they'd fold away and they'd drop down or just just drop out or just fold completely. You mentioned Cork there from Cork, but uh, Cork were kind of in, in the doldrums for years, and uh, they won the intermediate last year and the year before they won the junior. So they're actually up senior this year. Oh yeah. And Kerry went backwards for a while, and they seem to be. I play with Kerry as well here, and even though I'm a Cork fan, <laughs> and uh, they've got their, their, themselves together this year, so they're pushing hard to win the intermediate championship this year. But uh, when, when I said to you earlier about them, I always had the feeling that like um, you, you, uh, the Northeast winners would go on to win it because I always hear of marquee players turning up for the summer for Boston and yeah. big money like floating around Sky Sports News transfer deadline kind of thing and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Maybe they maybe they just take the money and go on the drink for the summer. I don't know. <laughs> no, well, you, you know you always hear rumors about. Yeah, of course. Things, yeah, but um, oh yeah, I mean there's been was the year Dermot Connolly came out. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, and he was a big hit. To be honest with you, I have to say, he came out and played with Tony Gall. And uh, he was came out the first year with um, Shane Carty, who Shane played Carty. In New York. You know, yep. he's on the New York team. But Shane, I guess he got a job in Boston and um, is living here, so he's with Tony Goss. But um, but yeah, that was you know it was great to have Jeremy yeah. Conley here. And yeah. whenever people would go out to Canton, I mean, they take pictures with the kids and everything. There was no brilliant, yeah, yeah. He was he was to be honest with you, he was great. And then. In the final that year, Donegal played the Wolf Tones, and the Wolf Tones had a like a very very good team. Like there's a lot of guys on the Mead team or panel now at least who were on that Wolf Tones team, and uh, I thought the Wolf Tones would actually win the game because I thought they had a more balanced team, you know, and they had yeah. some really really good footballers like Ronan Jones and Thomas O'Reilly. They're both on the Mead team now, you know, and uh, some very good other home base guys. Well. I think Ronan Jones was here for a couple of years. He was home base at the time, but Conley just uh, uh, he would just turn it up a level or two. Was unstoppable, really. Yeah, he kind of kept Donegal ahead by a point or two throughout the whole game. He just whatever way yeah. he turned, uh, the ball would just just, <laughs> just a different class. Yeah. Yeah, but um, but yeah, yeah, like you know, I'd say last year too, a lot of the clubs brought over, um, you know, a lot of fellas from counties who've been knocked out. Yeah, uh, maybe not as like Chicago. I know they had a um a feed going where they were live streaming the games in Chicago, and mm. they had, like yeah. players there too, you know. 
Just to give you the latest on the northeastern GA scene, Connemara Gales are leading the senior championship division on seven points and remain the only team undefeated. In intermediate football, Cork lead away on eight points with four wins from four games. In the hurling head-to-head, Galway lead father Tom Brooks by two games to one. And in the ladies' intermediate championship, Boston Shamrocks are three from three against Connacht ladies. Some notable footballers in town include Galway fullback Sean Kelly, who is lining out with the Connemara Gales, and Galway cornerback Jack Lynn, who is playing with Galway Boston. Donegal's Jason McGee and Niall O'Donnell are talking with Donegal Boston, while Ronan Lanigan of Clare is playing with Connemara Gales. In terms of hurling, there's been an influx of cork hurlers with Kieran Joyce leading a sextet operating with Galway Boston, along with Niall O'Leary, Ger Millerick, Shane Barrett, Podrick Power and Sean Toomey. They are fighting it out with Father Toms, who are counting on the Roach twins, Brian and Owen, as well as Dara Leary, Sam Quirk and Kevin Moynihan. And how many pitches do you have there at the, uh, the Irish Centre, is it? Irish Cultural Centre. Cultural Centre. Yeah, the Irish Cultural Centre um, has, well, there's the main field, which is, you know, the main GAA pitch. Mm. That's, you know, that's a, one six, that's a full-size GAA pitch, you know, it's... Really, it's actually for thirteen aside. Just going to say it, yeah, it's, it's fairly big. So we we played we played thirteen aside in Gaelic Park for the league uh, before championship starts, and it's massive. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, the junior players now want to play. Don't put me on that pitch unless it's hurling, you know. Yeah. And do you bring um, it in at all for the uh, for championship or does it? Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, 13 aside on a 160 by 80 pitch. Yeah. No, and then there is a second field, which, you know, we call them field A and field B. We don't actually have a, a name for them, you know, if it's not Gaelic Park, it's just called yeah, the yeah, Coastal yeah. Centre. Field B is a smaller pitch, but, you know, it's um, it's ideal for the junior B or C. Or okay. Lady, yeah. You know, ladies, junior, you know, maybe you'd get away with, you know, junior C hurling on it. But, um, yeah, anything junior B or higher for hurling, you have to play it on that A field. And, uh, you know, senior, intermediate, junior A football, you, you got to play it on that A field. Yeah. B field, you know, <clears throat> it's a good size pitch. I don't know the dimensions, but be a little tight for the, I suppose, the fitter players. Okay. And... So the centre. So what, I, what I'm fascinated about is, um, so one of the big issues here with New York GA is that we don't, have complete control over Gaelic Park. It's kind of rented from the city. The rent is shared with the uh, Manhattan College, and that's why you'd see all the lines on the pitch for uh, the lacrosse. So I presume that the that the cultural centre it's belonged to the Irish community, and it's it's your own, basically, is it? Um, basically, the way it works is the Irish Cultural Centre is a separate organisation from the GAA. Mm. So, but we all, you know, we have a common interest in that. GAA, the biggest Irish cultural sporting organisation mm. in in this country, you know, <laughs> let alone each city. Um, so the way it works is we, the GAA, the Northeast GAA, will have has a long term lease with the Irish Cultural Centre. So okay. you know, there's an agreement that is written down and signed by everybody and enforceable. Uh, as regards the GAA's rights to the use of the fields, you know, who's responsible for the upkeep of the fields and the dress mm. rooms and, you know, whatever GAA charges on the gate and the cultural, you know, whoever, you know, the whole yeah. thing is, is hashed out and it's um, it's a fairly lengthy agreement, but um, it's a 30-year lease. So the Cultural Centre actually opened in 1999. All right, okay. Yeah, pre-1999, and I was here, I came over here in 1992, and the first season I played here was in 1993. So for the first six years, we used to play on what was an MDC, which is, I think, the Metropolitan District Commission. It was like an American football field, or, you know, like a high school type stadium with a track around it. It was called Dillboy Field, and the GAA, like the Boston GAA, which I think we might have been called that at the time, basically had rented that for since World War Two, and um, I mean it was, it was you could tell some stories from that place. Like it was a small pitch. It was probably yeah. 
you'd squeeze maybe 130 yards out of it lengthwise. Mm. No, no, I still can't. I mean, you just play hurling there. I still can't <laughs> figure out how do we play like senior hurling on that pitch. And maybe about, maybe 60 yards wide, you know. So it was very tight. And the games were really <laughs> physical, you know. Um, and then the culture, Irish Cultural Centre was a separate organisation that had, you know, I know how long they had been formed, but they bought a property, that property in Canton, and part of, you know, they obviously wanted to attract the GAA. Mm. GAA is kind of like, there's, you know, the party agreement was this full-size proper Gaelic football and hurling pitch would be put there, and we have exclusive rights to that field. You know, the other field I talked about, the B field, is kind of more of a give and take, you know, um, like I said, we do have games there usually every Saturday and Sunday, maybe one, two games on mm. a, maybe one game on a Saturday and two or three on a Sunday, but kind of for the season, we, you know, for all intents and purposes, for, you know, have almost full use of both. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, we are like, a, I suppose, a tenant of the cultural center, but mm. uh, both organizations work in partnership to to make it work you know yeah i mean when we moved from delboy to, to to the cultural center and you actually had dressing rooms with warm water <laughs> you know and you had a proper full-size t- i mean it was like oh my god <laughs> <laughs> now we've been there for 20 years now 20 over 20 years 20 okay. years. it's amazing how fast the time passes but that's you know but both organizations are inextricably linked, like aren't they? So you benefit yeah. each other, and it's, it's like we, you know, I don't say you couldn't exist without each other, but mm. it's in both sorts of organizations' interest to to make it work, you know. And is the center kind of an immigration center, like that you'd see in New York, or what's its function? On a day-to-day basis. It's more the promotion of Irish culture. You know, they hold like um, a lot of Irish cultural events and okay. shows. You know, they host shows um, for maybe bands or theatre groups coming over from Ireland. Music lessons, you know, right. Irish dancing takes place there. But it's not really so much an immigration centre. In Boston, there is a organisation called the Irish Pastoral Centre. Okay. So they, you know, would do an awful lot of work for not just, or there's the Irish, um, I think this now is called the Irish International Immigration Centre. Those two organisations that, again, are separate from the Cultural Centre and the GAA, but they would cater more to people coming over and looking for a place to live and jobs and, you know, looking to meet people. Yeah. And do you have a little stand there as well at, on, on the pitch for looking from the... F- Looking from the photos, is there a stand on one side of the of the main pitch? Yeah. The main pitch, I'd say, in terms of capacity, if the place was full, it might have a couple of thousand people there, maybe okay. 2,000, 1,500, 2,000. The main stand, I'd say, would hold guts of, I don't know, maybe 1,200, 12, 1,400. Okay. And then that's one side of the pitch which runs the length of the pitch. The other side of the pitch, there's, a, you know, couple of bleachers. Um, and then anyone else that wants to watch it stand around the tent, I guess. You know. and would, would it be full on the weekend, of the finals weekend? Finals weekend, usually, yeah. Yeah, you'd, wow. you'd get, well, finals, Boston finals. Yeah, you'd have maybe 1,400, 1,500 people. Wow. The Boston finals, you know, and a lot of it depends too, you know, like who's playing, yeah, who's playing, whose mm. teams have brought out, you know, if there's kind of been stuff going on between two teams, say during the season, and those two teams get to the final, and then that might bring mm. people, you know, how it goes. So, but, but it's it's something that I'd, I'd love to see in New York because the games are kind of spread out over the season. I'd love to have a weekend where you'd have all the finals in one weekend and it would be one big event, one kind of party atmosphere, festival atmosphere. You'd get people coming in from the tri-state area watching the games. But yeah. it's kind of um, like it's spread out. Like last year, I think like the, the final might have been October, was it last year? The senior final kind of ran on last year. So uh, it's something I'm envious of. The I I, I like the, the structure in place in Boston. And when my father was there, he said the week, weekend was was an incredible experience. 
Yeah, Saturday, Sunday now, we'd, we'd have finals on both days. And like I said, we've got many competitions going. Football, there's, what did we say? Six, Ireland, there's four. And ladies football, there's two. Um, now, sometimes what happens, though, because of where we are with senior hurling and the ladies, it's intermediate football at the highest level. They wouldn't really mm. be giving up for senior. Um because there are only two clubs, we do a best of five. So sometimes those two competitions, which is a shame, really, might be done before you get to the finals weekend if one team has won three games. You know? Okay. Um, but other than that, yeah, you've basically got, you know, usually three or four finals on a Saturday and maybe four or five on the Sunday. And uh, they're going from, you know, noon to five o'clock. And... Yeah, you know, it's great. Like if the club wins and then the players are all celebrating and it kind of just adds to the whole atmosphere out there. And do people stay there then? I see a marquee behind the goal. I don't know, is that the permanent fixture or does everyone stay there or what's the... uh, That goes up, it's it's like a patio and they put the marquee up in the... Usually in April maybe and it stays up till maybe October, you know, till the real cold weather sets. Yeah, yeah. Um, But yeah, usually they'll have bar on the stage with some brilliant like music on in there and it'll be you know those portable bars and ah uh, yeah usually like you have a big crowd everyone's you know everyone hangs around and um yeah you know it's really good buzz it's, it's uh do you think it would ever be feasible where you'd get the uh the winners of the usga or the winners of the northeast would come and play the new york winners you know i've kind of thought about that and you know a lot of discussion i suppose about uh you know the new york county team and um you know wouldn't it be great to have a usgaa kind of county team that could play them uh, yeah. now for a club level it's harder because of the different rules you know and the calendar obviously you know like the the new york finals go on till october the championship we're done by the end of august you know mm, yeah um, but yeah, I think it would be great because you've got two county boards in the United States, basically. And uh, if you were able to have some kind of a, a weekend where maybe the hurlers, the footballers, the camogie kind of put teams together and, and have a weekend of games, maybe at senior and junior level and maybe some yeah. underage games. Yeah. I mean, that could only be be a good thing you know, and you'd have a good, you'd get a good rivalry going too. Right? That's what I'm trying to drum up. I have my uh, New York top on for you t- <laughs> tonight. I'm trying to get some, I'm trying to get some rivalry going here. Like, <laughs> I don't know, I put my Boston top on till I, I leave. Ah, uh, yeah, but there's actually been um, uh, over the years now. I, not sure how it would go now, but um, when New York were preparing for the Connacht Championship in football and and in the Ulster Championship in hurling, which, you know, probably just because of what's happened, you know, it's harder to get a senior hurling team. Um, you know, Boston was pretty strong in hurling and football. It's, you know, just Boston on its own. So uh, we played challenge matches against New York, you know, in April to, to kind of help New York warm up. Mm. They were very competitive and uh, really good games of football in Ireland, you know. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, there's definitely like, and most recently, I think it was a draw. It was maybe the, the All-Stars came to Boston, I don't know how many years, maybe five, six years ago. And the New York team, football team played the warm-up match, the All-Star match was New York versus Boston. And it was, okay. you know, it was a challenge. Yeah. But it, Tough game, <laughs> and it ended up in a draw. You know, okay. the Boston guys did did a bit of training and preparation yeah. for the match. They didn't just show up because you know it meant nothing. But yeah, yeah it would yeah. be great to get some sort of like uh, preseason tournament every year because I know the lads they didn't have any uh, friendly game challenge game before they played Leitrim this year, and it's always a challenge to get games. I know last year they had one game. And if you could do something every year, like it would really, I suppose, it would benefit New York, but it would also give, like, five short fellas would like to play on the county team in Boston as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there, there, there are players who would, 
like to be on, you know, and it's you're playing for Boston, you're playing on the same team as a lot of guys you play against, you know. Yeah. Um, but I suppose it's a matter of um you know, organizing it and clubs been willing. You know, sometimes what, what happened, I think, one year was Boston sent a team down to New York and a couple of clubs, a couple of players got injured with fairly serious injuries. And I think it might have been a combination of, you know, our guys kind of really just starting off for the year in terms of fitness and training, mm. whereas the New York fellas had been in the gym and were much fitter. And then, you know, playing on the all-weather pitch, like our fellas are used to playing on grass pitches. And, yeah. uh, I know there were a couple of bad injuries, and I think clubs then became reluctant to let guys go. Yeah. And that could be, you know, and you can understand that, especially if you have home base players which are highly valued. Yeah. Commodities, you know, um, that you don't want to risk them getting hurt in a challenge match. But, mm. um, you know, I'd say there's got to be a way of, of figuring something out because, um, you know, New York and Boston are so close together. Mm. It kind of nearly makes no sense not to take advantage of that, you know. And would you have any issues feeling at that time of the year in terms of like, because like sanctions are a big thing, do you have enough homegrown players and enough quality ones that would give give the lads, uh, well, you said they drew with them before, but uh, you'd want yeah. it to be something competitive. Yeah, um, it's hard to know, you know. I'd have to go. <laughs> well, uh, let, let, let's... Let that be your homework for the follow-up uh, interview in a couple of weeks' time ahead of the finals. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But, um, but yeah, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I guess it's something people have talked about for a long time. But yeah, yeah, you know, having it's just two separate county boards with different rules and stuff. You know, it's. Yeah, as straightforward as it sounds. Yeah, right? or even and then at the other end played the the winners of the the club championships face off against each other in late August or September if we can get our uh, championships done in time. That'll be interesting, yeah. Yeah, yeah that'll be an interesting one. Would you play thirteen aside or fifteen aside? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and uh, yeah, you know, and I mean, like the thing about New York is um, at the New York at underage level have done an awful lot of um, an awful lot of groundwork and development gone on, so. Um, I'd say there'd be no problem adhering to an agreed upon set of rules yeah. for, you know, homegrown players and all that type of thing, you know. Is the underage structure strong in, in the Northeast? You know, it uh, it's, it's let's just say it's going. You know, yeah. We uh, kind of started off with just one program which was centred in the Irish Cultural Centre. And that kind of never really, <laughs> the name of it's called the Irish Sports Youth League and it's kind of like it was more like a not so much a club as a, as a program and that was basically the only show in town but then a, a club began called St. Brendan's St. Brendan's are pretty strong in terms of you know their teams they have very good teams like they've won North America or the uh, CYC which New York New York underage clubs will play in that too um you know, they've won some CYCs and uh, they've, you know, good numbers. And then in my own town, we started the club, which is really centered on the town in Milton called Trinity. And, um, you know, we've had success at CYCs and we've pretty good numbers, you know. Um, we've actually got to the point now where the kids that came through at the beginning, when we started off in 2009, with my own two boys who were five and seven years old at the time. Now they're playing on it. We have an adult team that plays in the junior C competition right. in football. So, you know, we're, we're going pretty well there. Um, and Hartford have a, you know, they only started a few years in Hartford, Connecticut, but they've, you know, got the ball rolling with the, the kids program. And Hartford actually are a club that have a football, hurling, ladies football and underage you know, All right. So, um, and they have their own kind of. It's in a place. It's actually a place called Glastonbury, Connecticut, which is a, must be a suburb of Hartford. I'm not sure. 
um, the Irish American Home Society. So they kind of have a bar and a little clubhouse and they have a GAA pitch there. I mean, they have a great little setup. Um, you know, so, yeah, I mean, I think when it comes to, if you were to compare the two, like New York is way ahead of us. There's no, no question about that. No. But there's an awful lot of work to try and kind of build on what we've got no. here and keep it going. And, um, you know, there's a big actual... Um, tournament coming up that St. Brendan's host um, the 24th so that'll be the weekend after next and there'll be clubs travelling from I think Philadelphia and New York to play in that too as well as the local clubs so um, I think in terms of total I know total numbers it's probably looks pretty good but mm. you know sometimes you kind of get tired of playing against Brendan's and the ISYL and playing each other that you, you yeah. just sometimes look farther afield for games but yeah, it's um, I, I I basically in a nutshell I think could be better, mm. but um, you know it is what it is, and we're everyone's working to to kind of keep it going, you know, yeah. and keep it growing. Yeah, the New York underage here is actually is booming. There's some great work done. There's, I think, did John give me this figure that there's maybe two thousand kids? I could be wrong, but there's loads in both hurling and football. So yeah. the New York future looks bright and uh, hopefully we'll have that, that new clubhouse built next year where yeah. uh, hopefully we'll have it in time for that challenge game against Boston next April. <laughs> I don't know if you <laughs> We'll get the ball rolling anyway. Rory, thanks very much for coming on. I appreciate it. Great stuff, Michael. Thanks for thanks, having me. Thanks. And if anyone wants to find out about the, the Boston reports, Boston GA reports, Taron Trasnan is the, is the blog that Rory runs. Uh, and uh, best of luck for the rest of the summer and best of luck for the Northeast games and the USGA games. We'll be keeping a close eye on it. Thanks very much, Michael. All right. Uh, yeah, sure. You might see you down in New okay. York one of these days. Yeah, actually, see Boston pop if yeah. I go down. <laughs> I, I actually, I'd love to get up for the weekend. I'd love to get up to you for the weekend uh, to see the games up there. Yeah, I'd love to see you, it. Yeah, come up for the final. Yeah. You know, um, I'd say, I'd say at least you'll have a very good senior football game. Yeah. The way yeah. it looks right now, you know, and yeah. hopefully, depending on how the hurling goes, you might yeah. have a good match too. You know. Oh, you New York girls, can you dance the polka? And that's all for this week. Let us know what you think by leaving us a comment on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at The Long Haul Pod. And don't forget to check our website, thelonghaulpodcast.com, for all our latest episodes and for various Irish American sports news stories. The liquor was so awful strong, my head went round and round to me away. You Santi, my dear Annie. Oh, you New York girls, can you dance the polka to me? Why, you Santi, my dear Annie. Oh, you New York girls, can you dance the polka?